Hey, this is Scotty Dingus, pastor of West Logan Church. We are glad you're joining us for our podcast today. I hope you find what you need in today's message. Are you ready for the word? Shout yes. yes. Listen, last night, how many of you were here last night? <clears throat> I sounded terrible, my voice. Maybe not the word, but the voice was just, it was very raspy. And it's from a week of preaching. So my team had me drink anointing oil in the prayer room. And it tasted terrible, but there was something about it that was anointed. Because when I woke up this morning, it was miraculously clear. And it shouldn't be after night after night after night of preaching. And someone called and they said, it's it's probably just going to get worse. You understand that, right? And I said, well, yeah, you know, probably. Logic would say that. But I serve a healing God, and he healed me last night. So, listen. My voice is clear, and I'm excited to preach. So turn to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. I'm going to preach tonight on the power of the crossover. The power of the crossover. I'm going to get ahead of myself and maybe jump around a little bit because I'm so excited to deliver this word that I feel the spirit of prophecy in the room so heavy. I, uh, my, my ministry is very dominantly towards the young people. It started with the young people. When I was 18 years of age, I preached my first sermon in the FCA auditorium, and almost 400 students showed up. I was so nervous that I read the scriptures with my back facing the crowd. I was terrified. I was 17 years old, and the FCA sponsor called it cute, which offended me because men don't want to be called cute. So she said, that was cute, and I said, well, maybe I'm not called to do this after all. And she said, if you, but if you want to do better next time, why don't you read the scriptures facing the people? It was, a, it was eight minutes long. <laughs> Some of you wish it was still eight minutes long, but it'll be okay. But it's always been towards young people. My senior year, they, they opened doors for us to go preach in the middle schools of our area in Wyoming County. I'm just a, right down the road from Mullins. And we went to several middle schools in Wyoming County. And I want you to know that in that one year, we went to five middle schools, 500 young people made Jesus Lord in that year. And since then, we've had, um, since then we've had around 2,000 kids make Jesus Lord in public schools during class time. And I'll never forget those memories. But I don't want to take up all of the time to share with you those memories. I've got plenty of them, even down to principals at the altar getting saved during these services. I remember this. And I always believed that the Lord was going to bring that outside of Wyoming County I didn't know how it was going to look or what it was going to sound like, but I'm kind of getting the picture right now. As this room is full of young people who are hungry for something other than what they've been fed by the Church of America. And so tonight I think it is important and pertinent to preach the power of the crossover because our, our nice outfits and fancy lights and nice music will not get us to the kingdom of heaven. It's all wonderful. It's all great. The way you dress is fine. No, you're not going to hear me say anything about it. I dress that way as well, and so does Pastor Scotty. He dresses pretty bougie as well. But <laughs> nonetheless, nonetheless, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven based on how well you dress or how well you can sing or how many lights you have in your church. You will enter the kingdom of heaven based on your level of obedience to the king. And I believe it is important tonight to preach on this crossing over because there is a literal crossing over take place where we were they're just the young people are just throwing every, everything aside all of their the popularity contest all of it aside and they're jumping in the tank and they're becoming wild ones 
I believe the Lord is raising up wild ones in this room. And I believe that when they, I believe that after these services, we leave people burning and they go into their schools and they burn in their schools. And you know something about burning people? People come and watch them burn. Have you ever driven past maybe a structure that was on fire and you started rubbernecking at it? You just wanted to stop and see. Maybe you drove by a vehicle one time that was on fire and you just wanted to stop it. Wow. And I tell you, I tell you this. When you catch somebody burning, you just want to stop and watch them burn for a little bit. And maybe, just maybe, you'll want what they have. Maybe you will desire the fire that burns on the inside of them. Maybe you will desire to no longer be cold in your heart. That's what we pray this revival does. When we strike ground, we're not just springing up wells. We're starting fires. We're starting fires in cities, and I'm thankful for pastors like Scotty and pastors like Terry and pastors like Mitchell Bias and Cab Wolford, who's in the building tonight, who've opened their doors to this young generation. Yes. Are you excited to watch these young generation people burn? Yeah. Second Kings chapter 4 tells us some very interesting things. It says this, Now a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha. Everybody say Elisha. Some people get this mixed up. There was a man by the name of Elijah. He was the, he was the person who came before. He was the elder. He was the, he was the one who had gone before the younger, whose name was Elisha. And when Elijah had been taken up in heaven by chariots of fire, the young prophet Elisha asked, Can I have a double portion of your anointing? He said, You've asked a hard thing, but I will give this to you. Elisha would not leave the side of this older Elijah. He wanted to take in and learn all he could learn. He wanted, to, he wanted to soak it up like a sponge. And then when Elijah was taken into heaven, a mantle fell on Elisha. And I'm praying tonight that the young generation will inherit the mantle of those who have gone before them. I've studied revival for the last several years. People like Oral Roberts, Jack Coe. How many of you have heard of the healing revival? Maybe the younger generation haven't because it happened in the 1950s. This was a revival that was marked by signs, wonders, and miracles. And I believe it is coming back to the body of Christ. I believe this won't just be salvations and rededications. I believe there's going to be baptism in the Holy Ghost. I believe people are going to get up out of wheelchairs. I believe people are going to walk their walkers out of this room. I believe people are going to leave carrying their crutches. I believe people are going to walk in with doctor's reports saying, where did those tumors go? I believe people are going to be... Oh, somebody help me. There, there is a renewal of the miracles of the Holy Ghost coming back to the body of Christ. But it's... If you want to see that renewal, the younger generation has got to take the mantle. This story is the first miracle of Elisha's ministry. This happened right after he took the mantle. This woman cried out and said, Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditors have come to take my two children in as slaves. And Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing. Everybody say nothing. Yes. Nothing in the house except a jar of oil. And then he said, go borrow vessels at large for yourself and from all the neighbors, even empty vessels. Everybody say empty. Yes. 
I try to, I, I want you to say things while I'm reading this so that I know you're paying attention to me. They taught me to do that when I was in my education classes. So everybody say empty. Thank you very much. You're doing so well. And you shall go in and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour it into all these vessels. And you shall set aside what is full. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons. And they were pouring out and they were bringing vessels to her. And she poured and she poured and she poured and she poured. And when the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not one more. There is not one vessel more. And the oil stopped. And then she came and told the man of God and said, go sell the oil and pay your debt. And you and your sons can live on the rest. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is sharper than any two-edged sword. And I thank you, Lord, that it never returns void. So I pray tonight, God, that though this is prophetic, I pray that it will stir the hearts. Let it not fall upon hardened hearts or deafened ears. And we give you the glory in Jesus' name. And let the church say amen. So this woman lost her husband. This woman had sons. So what this, the first thing you understand from this story, you need to understand, is that the older generation was dying off. I stand before you today and say that the older generation that came before us is dying off. The older ministers of the gospel, they're dying off. People like Billy Graham, the late great Billy Graham, led millions of souls to the Lord. Reinhard Bonnke just recently went to be with the Lord. If you don't know Reinhard Bonnke, he led millions to the Lord overseas. People like Oral Roberts and Jack Coe and all of these great healing evangelists, all of these people who carried the mantle of miracles have gone to be with the Lord. Even our older generation, our, our, our grandmothers and grandfathers, I just lost my grandmother in September at the age of 92 years, 92 years old. She taught me much about the Spirit of the Lord and, and to be honest with you, I, I don't know how much far I don't know how much further my grandfather is from meeting the Lord. He's 95 years of age. He'll be 96 in December. He taught me almost everything I know about serving the Lord. And these people are going into glory. They have served their time. They have done their part. They have laid the foundation that we are now building on. But now there's another generation on the rise. And so here's what's happening is that when in Israel, when a man died in debt, when a family, when a family member died in debt, the debt then transferred to the next generation. And so what happened was when the debt was transferred, the creditors, everybody say creditors, the creditors would come and try to enslave the next generation until the debt was paid off. And when I read this, the Spirit of the Lord began to deal with me. And he said, I, the, Lord, the Lord said, son, your enemy, the creditor, has come to enslave your generation. He has come to enslave this generation in bondage and addiction. He has come to enslave this generation in being a, a, a lover of their self. The Bible says in the last days that people will become lovers of themselves. They have come, the creditors have come to enslave this generation in pornography and entertainment. The creditors have come to enslave this generation in religion. Yes, I went there. The enemy has come to enslave this generation in religion that shows no power because Paul wrote 
if I could get this right, maybe I need to paraphrase, but Paul said there will be a generation come that acted religious and acted godly, but they denied that the power of God existed. And there's an enemy coming, and you don't know, you, you can't even tell it's the enemy when it's in church, but that enemy tells you this. You've got to dress a certain way and look a certain way, and you have and your hair can't be that color, and you can't have tattoos. I'm stepping on rocky ground here. It's thin ice. The creditors have come. And they're enslaving this generation. And so the mother cries out to the younger Elisha. You got to follow me. She called out to someone who was in the same generation as her kids. And said, I need a miracle right now because my children are in bondage. Many of you in the room tonight are crying out for your son or your daughter that has gone, but I declare to you tonight they're coming back as prodigals in this season. And so the man of God asks her a very important question. It's the very first thing he says. This is his first miracle, by the way. He says, tell me what you have in your house. It's very important if you're looking for the miraculous what you have in your house. You cannot ask for the miraculous to happen in your kids when your refrigerator is full of alcohol. You cannot ask for the miraculous to come to your children when the only thing that comes across your television is modern-day pornography in movies like Fifty Shades of Grey. Y'all don't want to hear what I have to say. The Lord is not just sending revival. He's raising a standard of holiness and He's bringing it back to the body of Christ because if you want the miraculous, if you want the Holy Ghost and the power of God, see, you can have religious church and keep all your junk. Because religious church has no power. The enemy is not scared of a religious person. The enemy is not scared of a Pharisee. He's scared of a Jesus follower. He's, the enemy is scared of someone who knows where their authority comes from and knows how to use it. But the only thing we have taught this young generation is how to dress. What color hair they can and can't have. Whether they can and can't have tattoos. What kind of songs to sing. Oh, the... Just because it's not what you played when you were 13 doesn't mean it's not from God. And so the creditor has come to enslave this generation in all kinds of bondages. If you don't believe it, look at the statistics on addiction in this region and you tell me the, the creditor hasn't come to enslave this generation. I met young people at 11 years old, fifth grade, look at me in these schools and say, I'm addicted to nicotine smoking cigarettes. Don't tell me it's not happening. I've seen it. I've lived it. 
I was bound at age 11 in pornography, I told you last night. I'm not ashamed to say it because I stand up here a free man. Because I someone spoke to me not about how well or unwell I dressed, but about the authority that lies in Jesus Christ. That's what's coming back in this generation. And so Elijah, Elisha asked her, what do you have in your house? This is important. If you want to see the miraculous, you've got to get the sin out. This is why a lot of people don't like revival because revival is in your face. It says things to you like, get the sin out. We like to preach to this generation about, oh, your destiny. What's your destiny? We talk about destiny as if it's this one-stop shop, this one-time arrival. Can I tell you what destiny is in the Greek? The end of your life. The, the fulfillment of God's will for your life. Destiny is not one thing like when you're 45 years old or 50 or 60 and you retire and that's your destiny. You don't have to work no more. That's not destiny. Destiny in, in the Greek as, as it was told by Jesus is the complete fulfillment of your assignment. In other words, destiny co consists of many destinations. I don't know why, but somebody needs to hear that. And there's a lot of preaching in this generation today on destiny. You don't hear a lot of preaching about sin because then the offering box won't be as full. Right. Pastor, this is a dangerous thing telling them to give an offering after the message. This is why I take up an offering before the message. It's faith. <laughs> you take up an offering after the message, you might get mad and not give I'm just cutting up. You know why? Because I don't care if you give me a dime. I'm going to preach to you that sin is sin, hell is real, and Jesus is coming back. So you can, you can walk out and not give me a penny. If you don't want to, if you don't want to give nothing, the Lord will provide for it. It'll be okay. Are you still here? There's all kinds of preaching on stuff like this. There's, not, there's no preaching on Jesus is coming back. There's no, there's no preaching on rapture tribulation. There's no, there's no fear of the Lord in churches anymore. It just doesn't exist because we get accused of preaching doom and gloom. Our world's pretty scary right now. I don't care if it sounds doomy and gloomy to say the truth, and the truth is this. The enemy has taken your teenagers to hell in a handbasket because you won't preach the gospel to them. So here's the word. The Lord is raising up Elishas in this season right now. The Lord is raising up preachers and teachers. The Lord is raising up prophets and evangelists. The Lord is raising up worship leaders with authority, with power. Yeah, they've got talent, but they've also got an anointing because they understand something. It's not enough to have a gift. He's raising up a group of people that are hungry for the anointing. They're not just hungry to be a church member. No, they want the anointing back. They want to see the power of God. They don't want dead, dry, stale religion. They want the miraculous. They want... The Lord is raising up Elishas to go and save their own generation from their bondages. He's raising up Moseses to walk into school buildings and say, let my people go.
He's raising them up, and they're bold, and they're loud, and they're proud. But I'm telling you something. It's a remnant. It's a remnant of people. And the same boldness they had to sin when they get saved will be the same boldness they serve Christ with, and they will be... They will be without fear. I'm telling you, they will be without fear. They don't have any fear to sin. And Jesus, help me. They will be loud and they will be proud. They're not going to be like the religious Pharisees in the churches that just hide in the four walls of their building and complain about everything. Are you still here? But this is what it's going to take. If you'll go back with me a couple chapters 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 13, gives us some very interesting text. This is Elijah's last moments. He's about to be taken up. And he asks Elisha, what would you like from me before I leave? And he says, I would like a double portion of your anointing. Can I tell you something? The, the Lord is going to give this generation a double portion of what Oral Roberts experienced. The Lord is going to give this generation a double portion of what Smith Wigglesworth experienced. I wish somebody would receive it with me. The Lord is going to give this generation a double portion of what Jack Coe experienced. The Lord is going to give this generation a double portion, signs, wonders, and miracles that the news cannot ignore. Jesus, help me. Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father the chariots of Israel and its horsemen, and he saw Elijah no more. Then he took, watch this, this is very important. Elisha took a hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces and took up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him, and he returned and stood by the bank of the Jordan. I'm going to really preach right here. I'm going to lay it on you right now. Stood by the bank of the Jordan, and he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and struck the water. And said, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Where is he? I stand right now and I look at churches today and I say they've got really nice songs. They've got really nice programs. They've got really nice lights. But where is the God of Oral Roberts? Where is he? I see all your religious deeds. So does the Lord. He called them junk already. Oh, it's quiet in the room. Listen, he said your religious deeds are like filthy rags. I didn't write that. You can go take that up with Isaiah. He said, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he struck the water, they were divided here and there, and Elisha crossed over. The power of the crossover. After Elisha struck the water, he crossed it, and then his first miracle came. If you want to see the miraculous, does anybody want to see the power of God come back to the body of Christ? This is not. Like, I'm, I am so sick of your few songs, your 30-minute message that makes everybody feel good. No repentance. Oh, God. You make people feel good, but it takes more than feeling good to break the yoke. You're telling these teenagers they're good and they're okay and everything's great while they're taking selfies to try to impress them. And the only reason that they're worshiping is so that the man behind them will look at them. 
Should I do it, Kobe? You got some of these teenage girls worshiping the Lord, and they're right in front of that man they want to impress, and that, yeah, I'm worshiping them. No, I'm serious. I'm so serious. They're trying to catch the eyes of a man when they should be catching the eyes of the king. And then you want to get up. And then these preachers want to get up and preach this sugar-coated message about how everything's great. Everything's not great until you get your eyes back on the king of kings. Everything's not good until you get your eyes fixed on the Lord of lords. Because I want to tell you something. What lies below their waist didn't pay for your sin. Oh, God. I'm going to get in trouble tonight. I'm going to take it. You think it's funny? I'm going to take it a step further. Hey, guys, young men, what lies below their waist didn't pay for your sin, and neither is what sits on the chest that didn't pay for your sins either. And the reason some of you are uncomfortable right now is because you've never heard preaching like this before because people don't want to talk about it because they're scared of it. The Lord told me before this strike the ground stuff started to preach stuff that is not commonly preached. So I'm going to preach stuff that's not commonly preached. I'm going to preach that sin is sin. And some of you women are making these young men lust. The only reason you get on your knees and raise your hands is so the person behind you is going to take a picture of you so you can post it on Instagram. But the last I checked, Jesus Christ had no Instagram. Jesus doesn't have any social media. Where is the... I'm not here to please you. I don't, I don't really care what you think of my preaching. I'm here to please him. I'm going to preach what he tells me to preach. The Lord is raising up a generation of obedient firebrands that will dance in the spirit until their clothes come off like David. In the spirit. In the spirit. And yes, there is a spiritual meaning to this. The Lord does not want you to dance till your clothes come off. He wants you to lose your dignity. I had to correct that because some of them were like, oh my God, he's really, this man's lost his mind. Yeah, I'll be a crazy man for Jesus. I've lost my mind. I've lost my mind and I got his. And I wish somebody in this generation would lose their mind to get his. I wish, I wish some of you would lose your dignity to get his. I wish some of you would lose your pride and get his power. The reason some of you have not seen a move of the Lord in the last five years is because you are too dignified for it. You're too sophisticated for it. You're too, you're too prim and proper to fall out in the Holy Ghost again. You've got too much dignity to let the Holy Ghost make you shake. You're scared of sweating too much. Too scared to let the Holy Ghost touch you so you'll run around the room a couple times. That's what it's going to take. In the room, there's three types of people right now. Can I, talk, can I talk about them? Is that okay? It's in every church, so it's not just here. But 
It's, you know, there's three types of people, and they're all in here. You got watchers. Everybody say watchers. You got waiters. Everybody say waiters. And you have worshipers. Everybody say worshipers. Here's what the, 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 I'm going to show you what the watchers look like. The whole time, whole time we're seeing them. Oh, I love Jesus, Pastor. I just love him. Yeah, right. Well, praise is in my heart. I'll just worship him. Well, I got a scripture for you. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth's... Oh, I didn't know that was in there. Whoops. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. So if your heart's full of praise and adoration and love for the king, it'll be poured out on his feet like alabaster oil. It's, it's just Bible. It's just Bible. So watchers, that's what they do. They watch. They don't have any desire for the Lord. They're just here to spectate. It's a spectator sport to them, like golf. And then you have waiters. Everybody say waiters. The waiters are curious. They come in here with curiosity, and they're like, I wonder if this thing is really legit. And they're waiting, and they're waiting. You know, and, and when the right moment hits them, they're, they're going to come up here. It takes some time, though, because they're waiting. They're going to sit back, and they, they look like watchers at first, but they're very curious. And you can almost see the Lord. They really do. But you can, you can kind of see the Lord tugging on them, even on their face. It's, it's kind of on their heart. I'll never forget one of my favorite moments with a waiter was we were, we were ministering outside at Pastor Jay's. Several, I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to use evangelist numbers. Around 200, you would say, maybe. Is that good? Is that accurate? Okay. These evangelists would be like, man, we had 600 people. And they'll be like, Nick, the room only seated 200. <laughs> so I don't, I don't want to do that. But we had, uh, are y'all still here? Yeah. Are you having a good time? Yeah. So there's a, there's a person, and they're in the very, very back of the parking lot. It was a parking lot service. And they're standing in the back, and they're watching people get baptized. And it's crazy. You know, people get baptized, and they're running. It's, it's nuts. Totally nuts. And the person's in the back, and they're, you can tell that they're not just a watcher because they have some movement to them. They're like, what is going on? <laughs> you know, like when a dog wants to see something, but it don't want to move its body, and it's like, that's what, that's what it looks like. So... So I, I'm watching this person, and I'm baptizing, and I turn around, and that person is, is back there. So if the, ba if the baptism was the doors, they're back here, and they're, I baptize someone, and I turn around, and by the time I turn around, they're right here. And I was like, are they getting close? Like the first couple times, I was like, are they getting closer? It actually happened this way. I can't, can't make this up. Like it's actually happened this way. Baptize someone else, and I turn around, and they're like right here. That was so fast. I mean, it's like like a cat. I mean, you turn like you turn, and then you turn around. The cat's right here, and that's what it was like. And so I baptize someone else, and I turn around. The person's like right here. And this happened like six or seven times. And I baptize the last person, and I look over, and this person is looking into the water. <laughs> Hadn't said a word to anybody, and I make eye contact with this person, and they burst into tears and jump in the tank, and they got. Rick. So that's what a waiter. <laughs> Waiters just want to know. I don't know why I'm preaching this right now. It's a totally different message than Kobe. <laughs> Waiters just want to know that it's legit. They're genuine. But then you have these worshipers, which is what the Lord's raising up. You've got these worshipers that show up an hour early. 
Even before the music starts, they're on their face. The whole time the music's being played, they're running and they're jumping and they're praising and they're shouting and they're getting all of God that they can get. And so I, I have to ask, what is the difference in a waiter and a worshiper? Well, the worshipers don't wait till church time to meet with the Lord. The worshipers are meeting with the Lord all day throughout the week instead of letting a pastor spoon feed them on Sunday. Some of you, the only time you open your Bible is when pastor comes and says, open your Bible to such and such a page. And that is a problem. If you ate food once a week, you would die. And you don't know that your spirit is dead because you only feed it once a week. How would you expect to thrive and grow if you're feeding something once a week? I'm just telling you some things that keep you from experiencing the miraculous. Can, we, can, we, can I still go there? Are y'all still here? Because the Lord, the Lord is raising this up. So here's what happens. He says, what's in your house? It's important what's in your house. Then he says, this woman says, I don't have anything in my house except. Now picture this. She's got, everybody say nothing. nothing. When I say nothing, I mean nothing. At that point, she would have pawned off anything. To, you would pawn off anything to keep your kids from slavery. Are you here? Okay. I'm talking she's got nothing. She's sleeping on the floor. Nothing. It is barren. But the one thing she does have. The one thing she has is this. This little jar of oil. And she looks at the man of God and says, I really don't have anything, but I do have this. I've got this one little jar of oil. And because she had this. Though she had nothing, she had everything. Though she had nothing, she had everything. We could strip this church bone dry, take the screens, take the lights, take the instruments, take everything. Take, take everything that makes it look pretty. But if you still have the anointing of the Holy Ghost, you don't need all this stuff to see the miraculous. You don't need all that stuff. Strip everything out of here and give me this. Take away all of it and give me this. And that's what the Lord's crying out to this generation. You can have the clothes. Eli Elisha ripped his clothes in half to take the mantle with the anointing on it. Elisha said, listen, I've got my stuff and I like my stuff, but if I have to rip it in half to get what Jesus has for me, that's what I'll do. And the Lord's looking for a people that's going to say, you know what? I'll take my stuff and throw it in the garbage. It's worthless. It's meaningless. It's done. And I'll do whatever it takes to get this little jar of oil. Just this. This is all you need. I'm preaching to somebody right now. All the other stuff is garbage. It's meaningless. The way you dress never saved a soul. Your Converse and your Vans and your Adidas shoes, we never got anybody saved with that. It's, you can wear it if you want to, but you need this. You don't have to have that stuff. You've got to have this. No one ever got saved because the worship leader had skinny jeans on. <laughs> I'm serious. No one ever got saved for that. They got saved because people with the anointing showed up. That's what the Lord's looking for. 
The only reason people get touched by a song is because the song is inspired by the Holy Ghost. Now, are y'all still here? Shout yes if you're listening. You just tell me when it's time. You good? All right. Oh, God. Something important. Elisha looks at this woman and says, okay, you've got this jar of oil. This is all, you know, you got this. Okay. Shut the door behind you and go get all the vessels you can get and make sure they're empty. There's several things you got to understand. Every vessel that got oil poured into it showed up empty. That means every vessel that showed up in the house of this woman was cleaned out before it had this poured in it. That's why many of you haven't experienced the miraculous because you want this and your junk at the same time. And I'm just telling you, you can't have it. You got to pick one. If you want your junk, leave with it, but you'll answer for it later. The Lord's looking for people who have stripped everything off and are chasing after this. And then he, are you still here? And then he said, shut the door behind you. That means, that means everything else that could hinder you from receiving this, close the door on it. Like, oh God, I'm going to preach right now. Some of y'all ain't going to like this. You got delivered from alcoholism? Well, that's great. Now go home and flush all the alcohol down the toilet because you don't need it in your fridge. You got to... Somebody's got to hear that word, shut the door. You got delivered from pornography? That's wonderful. You know what I did and I still have and I still do? Every pornographic site I ever viewed is locked on my phone. Did you know you can do that? You can block certain websites on your smartphones and you have to have a password to get in to unlock those websites. And guess who has the password? Caleb has the password. I got free from it. So you know what I did? I slammed the door on it. And I put a lock on it. This is why many of you get free and you go back and you get free and you go back and you get free and you go back. You got delivered from smoking cigarettes, but you still got a pack in the drawer just in case. You got delivered from alcoholism, but in case, the, in case a good craving comes by, let's just keep a beer in the back. Get clean, get empty, and shut the door. Shut the door. Shut the door on everything that's not the oil, that's not the anointing, that's not the presence of the Lord. That's all you have time for. Oh, God. Then, are you still here? Just got a couple more things to tell you. Then, after he poured the oil in the vessels, he set aside what was full. In other words, when he filled up a jar, he put it over there. As if to separate it from something that was empty. And I want to tell you, when you get filled with the Holy Ghost and the anointing of the Lord, it is time to separate yourself from people that don't have it. You might say, well, Nick... Jesus ran around with sinners and sinners were his friends. Yeah, sure. But he changed the sinner. And for some of you, the sinner changes you and that's why you need new friends. 
just as plainly as I can put it, if you have more in common with, if you've got more in common with someone living in sin than you do people of covenant, I don't know if this is in you anyway. Am I saying, to, am I saying, oh God, they don't like it. Am I saying, am I saying to, to disown all of No, of course not. They need the same thing you got. But what I am saying is this, you've got to get around people who want and desire this. It's, it's important to be in covenant with these people. Are you still here? The Lord's looking for people who are going to shut the door and be filled with this. And then when they're filled, they are set aside. The Lord sets them aside. Why? Because when you're anointed, the word anointed literally means to set aside for service. Does anybody want the miraculous back in this region? And I'm to, listen, your, your, your programmed church service is not going to deliver anybody from addiction. It's not. Your three songs and your little message and your little devotion is not going to deliver somebody from pornography. You've got to have the anointing. Young people, you can dress like you want. I'm going to keep dressing like this too, and probably Pastor Scotty will too because he's bougie. But listen. <laughs> but listen. His clothes never save the soul. You know why people are attracted to this church? Because the anointing's here. You know why people are attracted to churches like regional? Because the anointing is there. Because they, they cultivate revival. The Lord's looking for a generation that will cultivate revival. But here's the key. There's power. I'm going to close right here, I promise. There's power in the crossover. There's power when you cross the water and you come up new. Everything that hindered you from getting filled with that oil gets buried in here and you get raised up and you cross the water and you cross into revival. Okay? And when you do, listen, this is not the last, this is not your destiny. You get baptized, you come up, that is not the end of the road. You people that are getting baptized and wrecked ought to be bringing somebody with you. I'm because the goal is not to avoid hell. The goal is to take people there with you. Is there anybody with a heart to see this generation saved? Is there anybody with a desire to free, your, to free this generation from the creditors? Because I'm telling you, there's creditors out there. They're called addiction. They're called opioids. They're called pornography. They're called alcoholism. They're called entertainment and idols. And they have enslaved this generation and said, you don't need this junk. There are religious creditors that have said that power of God is not exist. It doesn't exist anymore. That's not real. That healing ain't legit. While the woman with the broken hip come in here and got healed and walked out. Is she in the room? Of course, yeah. How you feel today? She said, I don't feel a thing. You believe the power of God is legit. And I want you to very briefly tell the people. I, I believe that people are set free by the word of a testimony. It's in, it's in your Bible. It's in Revelation 12, okay? 
tell the people very briefly what happened to you, and then we're going to see who has a desire to cross the Jordan. November of 2015, I had two pulmonary embolisms that went through my heart and into both lungs. I was diagnosed with five, four different blood clotting disorders. I had thrombophilia, factor five, protein CNS, and there's another one that I can't even pronounce. Nick came to my church. <laughs> I went up. He prayed for me. I fell out. While I was out, I saw God. <laughs> He walked around me, and he was just taking his hands all over my body. I went to the doctor a week later. She said, didn't we take two vials of blood last time you were here? And I said, yeah. She said, we got to do it again. I said, why? She said, because we can't find any of your clotting factors. <laughs> Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to reach out to us, please contact us through social media or at westloganchurch.com.